Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into Take Command post game. And Logan, for the first time ever, we are live on both 1067 The Fan and the Team 980's YouTube pages. What's up, buddy? From FedEx Field. From FedEx Field, that's right. Uh, not much, man. Just watched a, f- a football game today. That was a lot of fun. The fans were going crazy. It was cool to see all of the, uh, you know, the legends around the building and saying hi to everybody. So it was it was a pretty pretty cool day. Uh, again, kind of had you wringing your hands a little bit more than you'd probably like, but you know that's that's life, I guess, in the NFL. So yeah, I've got one big takeaway um, from this game that we'll get to in a second, and obviously uh, much many smaller ones, but. First, like we said going in, the number one story is the atmosphere. The number one story is kind of how everything is there at FedEx Field. So how was it? Yeah, so, you know, I got here a little bit late because I was doing the pregame show with Denton, obviously, because you were sick. Yeah, by the way, feeling better. Be happy to be back next week. Still locked in my COVID cave. Yeah, good. So um, so walk into the stadium from my car and you could hear this, like hear the stadium. Ah. Ah, and it just was like you were approaching like this beast, you know, from the mile away that I had to park. And it was like, I don't know if I've ever remember the stadium being like that, you know, like kind of up and down and you could hear it. And it was like it was breathing. It was really, really cool. You walk in, there was like this kinetic energy. You know, you're walking up to the press box. Everybody's watching quietly and the fans are going nuts outside. It rained for a portion of the game and everyone stayed in their seats. It was it was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool atmosphere. You know, it was a pretty cool atmosphere for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely came through on television. I mean, especially in the second half as the defense started to get going, like it it sounded like a raucous NFL stadium. And you don't yeah. get that in every game every weekend. You get that in some of the best atmospheres in the league. And you you yeah. had that coming through the TV um on the Fox broadcast. But to, to me, Logan, um my biggest takeaway is that this was a great reminder in week one that football is a 60 minute game. And we talked so much during the preseason and during training camp about how much better condition this team would be for this season and how much better in better shape that they were. And it was kind of funny watching the game, you know, from my couch and, and being on Twitter and watching everyone freak out. And I'm just kept looking at the scoreboard going like, this is a one score game. Like, they're it's 60 minutes they've got to figure some stuff out but they're primed to do it and i think what you saw late in this game is 
the commanders playing their absolute best, especially defensively late in that game as Arizona wore down. You saw the running game on offense get going a little bit more as Arizona started to wear down. And it was a great reminder for all the freaking out that everyone loves to do a quarter into every single game. If you if you follow them along on social media during and we'll talk about how and we'll talk about the O-line and we'll talk about all the other things that need to be cured up from an execution standpoint. But these are long games where there's a lot of twists and turns. And after years and years and years of them turning the wrong way for this franchise, the way that this team has been built and the way this team has been conditioned and calloused through the preseason, if you watch the Commander's Log uh, YouTube series, that's the word that Ron used, it's going to benefit them in in close games and late games. And that's what today was. And look, looky, looky, who came out on the right side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a little bit of that freaking out comes from, you know, like that history that you're talking about. People freak out because it's like uh, they've been burned in the past. And you could kind of – it felt a little like in the first – I got here in the second quarter. So in the second quarter, it felt a little bit like a traditional game. Like it just wasn't clicking offensively. It didn't feel like there was a lot of energy from the team. And so you're like, man, if this doesn't turn around quickly, like Carolina, like that defense was – absolutely ripping around the field, ripping around the field and looked like an NFL defense. They were making a ton of plays. They were playing with great energy and it just felt like it wasn't clicking. And that was, I think that's where that kind of, um, you know, apprehension and, and worry and rumination kind of came from, from the Twitter people. And cause you could feel it here in the stadium too. The fans were like, were groaning and like they could, they were like urging the team on. So I definitely think that was part of it, but uh, like you said, it is a long game. And so I, th- I think part of it was, it's like, you're so used to the game ebbing, and then, you know, the saying is ebb and flow, but it never it's never flowing. It's always just ebbing away. Right. And uh, and today was a really nice kind of there was an ebb. It didn't look very good for a minute. They come back out still ebbing. And then the defense makes that great three and out where, you know, um, uh, Duran gets the TFL. James and um, Allen have the, the TFL. Montez has the force fumble. And then you could just feel it. I could I could feel like EB like willing this offense to seven points. It was like three runs and they were like three of the hardest runs I've ever seen in the NFL. Like, uh, you know, B Rob just fighting and clawing and scratching for every inch. And then they, they score. And like, I was just like, that is something that that sequence felt a little bit different to me than in years past, because it was like, here's this moment and in years past the offense would have kicked the field goal and it wouldn't have been great, but they were just like, we need to score seven points. And they just seemed hell bent on doing it, which was pretty cool. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, the way Sam is able to maneuver for both of the touchdowns uh, shows you, I think, the upside. Um, yeah. And by the way, how you score in the red zone, a lot of it comes off schedule. Like you either yeah. nail it, nail your play call on schedule and, and the right guy's open, or it's like, oh, crap, we're going to have to run around a little bit. And sure enough, that's how they score their two touchdowns. Unfortunately, Sam gives up the touchdown uh, on the other end of it, on the fumble. Overall, what do you make of his performance in his second career start and his first as a true QB1? Honestly, it was kind of like what I expected. You know, I know I said like, you know, he'd score, you know, touchdown. And but I was like, he'll have a turnover like at some point. I don't know what it'll be. Fumble, interception, whatever it is. And uh, and he'll be on. He'll look good at moments and he'll kind of look like a rookie at moments. Um, and I think the thing that really was nice is that in those red zone moments, like you alluded to, like the moment wasn't too big for him. And you saw a guy who's going to make some plays for you. And that first, that first touchdown, I mean, that was tremendous. You know, like he's kind of falling away. I don't know who he's throwing it to, but he's throwing it to somebody and it gets where it's got to go. And, and, you know, B Rob ends up with a touchdown. So I think that was nice to see in those like big, gotta have it 
critical like that's that's a, such a critical down like especially with the second one like it's it's you gotta have that touchdown if you don't have it you lose the game and i think everyone here could feel i think the staff knew that for him to kind of be mr composure in that moment was really cool and and stack that on top of the fact that he had kind of a rough you know rough first half interception he had the uh the fumble that ended up bleeding to six points and like that's how the cardinals ended up with 10 points right it was off sam howell turnovers so um, you know, some good, some bad, but I thought the good was very, very good. And I thought some of those throws, like the in the on the two minute drive that ended up with a field goal, um, mm-hmm. right before half, I thought he did some oh, really yeah. nice stuff there. Just By the way, how about the enemy being like, no gas pedal? Yeah, that I mean, I talked about it on the post game show. Like that is a talk about a mindset, bro. Like that is a mindset. Like most coaches, I'd say, I don't know, maybe Kyle Shanahan, maybe Andy Reid are going to run the football twice there, you know, run the football twice, 55 second clicks off. We're going to live to fight another day, especially after something like that. But talk about having tremendous confidence in your offense, in your, in your young quarterback, and then having tremendous confidence yourself to get everything dialed up the way it needs to get dialed up. Um, you know, so, so kudos to him. Cause like, again, a defining three points right there and in a, in a game that's one by four, that's a big deal. So, uh, Love that aggressive mindset. Love they were able to execute. And, and it goes back to what you were talking about in terms of conditioning. And, you know, you're talking, I think you're talking more about physical conditioning, which is definitely on display. But also, I think it's that's something to do with kind of a mental conditioning and like Dang having man. having been in those situations, like literally every day at training camp, they do a two minute drill and it's and it's a long kind of arduous two minute drill. So it just felt like they it felt it felt like something that I hadn't, I hadn't felt here in a while, which is it felt very matter of fact, you know, it felt like yeah, a matter of fact, a really good way to drive. Put it. you know, like we're going to do a two minute drive. Here we go. It wasn't like, Oh God, we're freaking out. You know what I mean? And they made plays. They did what they had to do and loved it. Just, I, I, I love that, that element by. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Two minute, two minute should be something that more teams are good at. And I know that yeah. sounds crazy because the odds and everything says that they shouldn't, but like teams become very predictable defensively in two minute. And so if you know the what tempo, the defense yeah. is going to run, then you can get there with tempo. They're not going to change it. Like yeah. if you know, it's cover two, like it's pretty easy to play in the NFL or if you know, yeah. it's cover four. So like obviously defenses can mix it up and good coordinators have, have taught their guys how to mix it up with just enough to throw offenses off. But um, it is an area where if you can get a team stuck in a coverage, you can attack time and time again, and, and they're able to do that. I think overall, the, when I look at how it's exactly what I thought it would be, to, to your point, like the upside, incredible. Um, you see the playmaking ability. You see 
some of the big throws. He should have had more yardage in the first half. Logan Thomas had a couple balls I thought he should have held on to. Um, but he also, you know, he's not afraid to give his guys chances either. There's some, uh, I would say contested balls that are not really Sam, you know, nobody's fault on an incompletion, but Sam puts it where his guy's going to get it or it's going to get knocked out. And the defense made good plays. I think the the tail of the tape is going to be in some of those situations. Did he have other options? And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is when we go back and watch the film and specifically when you get to the six sacks, like it felt like on some of those it's immediate pressure on some of those he's holding the ball for a long time and you're just going there's got to be someone open obviously watching from the couch and not getting a whole lot of all 22 replays hard for me to tell um and obviously we'll be back or going back and watching that on tape um but you know even even then like there's game management stuff the the fumble touchdown the sack is on wiley the fumble touchdown is on sam like at that point, you've got to have better ball security. You got to know the time score situation where you are in the field. So there's those those learning opportunities. But over all of it, the thing that gives me the most hope for him this season, and the thing that I'm most impressed is, is he never gets flustered. He's just the yeah. same dude the whole time. He's getting rocked out of bounds illegally on a hit that should have been an ejection by Kaiser White. He's not getting caught up in that emotion. He sack fumble, not caught caught up in that emotion. Celebrates the touchdowns, but doesn't get caught up in it. And he's just a steady, steady guy throughout the entire game. And if he can maintain that over the course of a season, this team's going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, and I think like the, on the post game show, I was like, you know, this is a build. This is a good building block. It's a. It's not the cleanest offensive brand of football. I think there's a lot of stuff that you look at and you say you could have done better. Um, I think, you know, kudos to Jonathan again. Like we talked about some of the things he might change and some things he might do differently with Sam Howell at the helm and given his personnel. I thought they did a great job kind of being a little bit more aggressive with their match coverages and their zones, um, which made the windows a little bit smaller. I thought they did a great job of disguising stuff. Like you could tell there was times where it looks like a pressure look. You know, they've got this crazy overload look on. They drop out of it. They end up bringing another guy to the weak side. ends up being a – just because he's like, I know where the ball has got to go. And then all of a sudden there's guys there and it's like, oh, shoot, you know. And so I just thought like um, that was like Jonathan again, like with a rookie quarterback, like did what you're supposed to do. Confuse them, make them hold the football, put them under a little bit of pressure. And that's what he did. And I think um, it's it's a great learning experience because he's going to see more of that kind of stuff each and every week. He's going to see a ton of that when he goes to Denver. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of really positive stuff to take away. And I don't think like, Got to protect the football better. I mean, the Gibson's got to protect the football better. All That's that stuff. That's a bad is, fumble, man. Yeah. And you know, they were clicking, too. That, I mean, yeah. the thing is, Logan, in the first half, Sam wound up with like 169 yards. Yeah. And that was with very little running game. And he only had 202 for the game. And yeah. they started to run it more in the second half, obviously. Robinson, after, you know, single-digit carries by a lot in the first half, he finishes with 19 carries on the game. Yeah. And so the balance comes eventually, but it is the kind of thing where, you know, they had, they had great stats in the first half, but they didn't hold on to the football and yeah. obviously didn't even get field goals out of it because of the turnovers. Um, and then in the second half, they held on to the football were more productive from a scoring standpoint accordingly and didn't really actually do that much offensively. No, I agree. And um, I, you know, it's been funny. I've been a part of some games like that that aren't super clean. You turn the football over a lot. And for whatever reason, you just get like more bites at the apple or you're driving the football longer. So you tend to be a little bit more prolific in terms of your offensive statistic. It's very odd. Like I was in a game where uh, Matt Barkley threw four interceptions and I think we threw for over 450 yards because like 
he's like throwing a pick six. We get the ball back. We drive. You know what I mean? Like it's just right. like there's more stuff to do. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened here, but I do think there is something to that. Um, but yeah, like he, he was productive. I thought there were times where it looked super sharp, looked super clean. And other times it didn't. And I and I think that's what I was, what we were trying to impart to our listeners was like, you know, there's a reason there's a, there's a precedent in the NFL that young quarterbacks don't do well. And a little bit of it's because like defensive coordinators can just show them a whole bunch of different stuff, basically flashing a bunch of lights in their face while they're trying to play quarterback. And it's enough to, to, to offset them. And I, I think that's what happened here a little bit today. But I, to your point, like the composure of Sam Howell was such that he was able to kind of, in those definitive moments, make plays. And I also wanted to bring this up real quick. I thought there was a really nice, I think the word is maturity by EB, to kind of identify what was going on with the offense and say, what was going on with the offense and what was going on with the defense and say, hey, we can, we can shift this into a slower gear. We don't need to be trying to put up 50 points. We need to score. We have to score. We need to be a little bit more methodical. And I think that's what you see in the second half kind of shorten the game, let the defense make plays for you and really lean into that. And um, and I think to their credit, because, you know, sometimes that doesn't pay off. The defense totally stood up and, and you know, did an excellent job with that. So Yeah, so let's talk specifically about the decision late. It's third and six. They're in the red zone. It's already a 33-yard field goal. A lot of teams now are more likely to say, like, hey, let's try to win this. We're going to yeah. win this game right here. I thought they made the exact correct decision and for the game. no business. Yeah. yeah. So it's already, you know, at that, at that point you run it, you waste another 40 seconds off the clock. You make it a four point game. I don't think Arizona's offense has shown that they can score a touchdown on you remotely. Uh, a field goal is a different story. Like if you just got to drive the ball between the twenties and then kick a long field goal and send it to overtime, that's, yeah. that's a different story um, or win the game. That's a win different story. Yeah. You know, four points, um, and the the less time to do it to score the touchdown, to me, is the right move there 10 times out of 10, especially with the way this defense was playing at that point in the game. Any disagreement, any thought of doing no, anything otherwise? I mean, there, you know, there was a little bit of the boobirds going on here at the stadium when they made that decision, but I kind of was like, you know, Ron's a defensive coach. The defense has been playing lights out. You look at Carolina's offensive production, and they did some stuff defensively that I thought was elite that was like man this this team is a is a winning defensive football team uh but offensively I don't think at any point they showed anything that made you go they're going to be able to drive the length of the field versus our defense I, I didn't see one element of that no. I'm a little surprised they didn't try to take more shots I will say my heart kind of skipped the beat when they took that shot off the play action to uh Wilson on the sideline mm -hmm. where he kind of jumped up and I thought he was going to catch it but he kind of like was loose and then fuller punched it out like that would have been a dagger there obviously but but to your point like and to, to the general point like there's no they didn't do anything offensively arizona that made you think yes in this moment when they gotta have it they're gonna do it with with joshua dobbs at the quarterback position so let's the they're not gonna score a touchdown the, the best they're gonna do is kick a field goal you know what i'm saying let's yeah. let's play the odds here and, and i and while like the the purest offensive mind in me was like go for the touchdown. I was like, under, this is where the analytics gets a little bit funny because analytically go for the touchdown. Like yeah. nine times. Or you just hundred. go for the first down, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Score, yeah. Right. Yeah. You, just to, yeah. you just have to get a first down and then you can run out the clock. But this is like one of those times where like, you know, I think you brought up the analogy with Sean McVay and like yep. his right guard blocking Aaron Donald or whatever the analogy is. Yeah, that's what Sean used to always talk about. Right. And it's like, that's that, that was this game. It was like, yeah, analytically you probably should go for that and kill the game. But, the, the way this game is flowing, 
this field goal does exactly the same thing. Yeah, I have a more apt sample than the entirety of NFL history. I have this game of Cardinals offense versus this game of Washington defense, and specifically the last three drives where we have been dominant defensively, and our pass rush is starting to murder their offensive line in a must-pass situation. It's that's easy, easy math there. And the other thing too is, well, cause I had someone on Twitter and again, I hate to reference like someone on Twitter, but like the, there's a counter argument of like, well, you look, it's already a 33 yard field goal. Try for it. If you, if you, you know, just roll Sam out, he either slides or, you know, if he throws out of bounds, he throws out of bounds, you lose 40 seconds. The game ends without the Cardinals offense ever getting the ball back really, you know, and that, that when you fast forward a drive, an extra 40 seconds, Dobbs has an extra time to try to move him down the field, all that kind of stuff. And so that's where you see when when all of a sudden they truly do have to burn all their timeouts, where those 40 seconds and how much one single you know pass or run decision can affect the game. The game essentially ends as Tressway kicks the ball in the air. And so that is, to me, that was easily the right decision. Um, all right, beyond that, what else? Uh, what else stands out from this game that we want to talk about here? There we go. Uh, I think for me, it was really just the the defensive line and how dominant yeah. they were. I think they were so on it. And, you know, I, I do think that that Arizona Cardinals offensive line is not, they're not a great group, but they're not a bad group. And I think to, for them, and, and I think, you know, one of the things Kyle, Kyle said this to me, Shanahan, he said it to me about um, when he was in Atlanta and he was like evaluating some player. And he was like, the moment I knew he was the real deal was when he started making plays in crunch time to seal the game. And I felt like I saw that today for the first time in a long time from this group. Like there are times where you see John make a play, you know, then there's a first down and you see Payne make a play, then there's a first down. But it was like that, that, that three play sequence, man, that's, that's what you want to see from the best unit on your team. Hey, like, let's like, we just had a rough offensive sequence there. We punted there. Arizona's in a pretty good field position. They're at like the 40 yard line and you get a, TFL right out the gate from from James and John. They're in on it together. Payne does a great job the very next play. They're in third and 25. And then Montez gets a strip sack. Like it's just like you couldn't have said the places where we where our where our draft capital has been invested, where our money's been invested, that is why right there. And so um so I think that that is that that to me is something that really sticks out. It is just that definitive that that is a definitive moment, a defining moment for a for a position group. And um, and really the, the the turning point in the game, quite honestly. Yeah, I thought they were incredible all day yeah. long. Um, yeah, Montez pain, just yeah, shows you definitely. what he is. Payne was insane. Allen has a big play in a big moment. He said he didn't know Dobbs still had the ball when he made that sack, which makes sense because it was like a spinning reverse karate chop. Yeah, it just right. so happened he's so freaking strong that he just chopped down a grown NFL man. Uh, and he was like, aha, I got a sack. Oh, cool, I got a sack. That, that man had the ball still. Um, and then... Man, Jay Smith-Williams played incredible today. He was all over the place, up the field, stringing runs out, like pushing the pocket. Casey came in, and, you know, those two guys were so good good last year uh, without Chase and with Chase out again and probably out next week. Like, Casey came in and and with his snaps, did a lot with them. It just shows you the depth of this team. Um, Ironically, uh, after a much hyped preseason, uh, one of the big plays of the game comes because Andre Jones Jr. doesn't set an edge early. Didn't really see him a lot later after that. And it's just as a reminder, like you get out there for real in a real NFL football game. And the the benefit of having guys who have been there and played and played at a high level, not, not the same level as like Montez, 
not what you'd expect from Chase when he gets back. Right. But James and Casey have played at a real high level, and those two dudes just did their job to AT today. And it, as long as they do that, those other guys are going to eat. Like yeah. if you if you don't have like an an easy weakness opposite of or on that one other spot in the line, those guys are going to eat, and they did. And you know, yeah. not only that, I think it helped the linebacker level today. I think by yeah. and large, like they played better than you know a lot of people were anticipating. Uh, because they did have kind of a rough, uh, a rough summer in patches. So yeah. I, I thought the the front seven in general, a pretty solid day today. We'll see what happens, you know, against a better front set or a yeah. better, you know, group well, next week in Denver. But they they did their job today. Yeah, and I think also it just shows you what happens like when that group, that front group, is playing really, really well. Because it's not even it's not even you know, um, John and Payne. Like Abdullah Anderson flashed a bunch. John Ridgeway flashes. Like you're just yeah, like they were. Real You're like, holy cow. Like that Cinco package too. Like a couple yeah. of Payne's big plays came in the Cinco package. Yeah. And it just shows you like if you can get Payne one on one, good luck. Three, yeah. And a three technique, like it's it's dirty. And you can't get help from the center because you got a nose. It's a dirty package. And I actually, you know, I thought Jack was a little bit more aggressive with some of his coverage structures. And I it's it's entirely because of Joshua Dobbs. It's entirely because of that. So I think to your point, as the quarterback play improves. Can that group, specifically the linebackers, still play at a really high level? Because right now, like this was like, this was like a, a high school often like high school is a strong word, but it was a very very limited in terms of what they could do. Like they were running keepers, they were running runs, they were running screens, and it was like everybody in the stadium was like, okay, they're not going to push the football down the field, and when they do, it's not going to be an effective thing. So um, I think as this goes and they play better protection packages, like can that group remain dominant? I think they can for the reasons that you just said. But um, that that was something that really stuck out to me today. Is that they they that group from from you know John to Casey Tuhill, like that and everyone in between there, they all did a, did their part and were productive and I think totally elevated that defense. Um one other just thing to note real quick because this is now my beat. Uh, and then I want to name like one or two things that we're looking forward to watching the tape for before we get out of here. So questions that we have remaining after this game, but Cameron Cheeseman bounced another snap. Yes, I saw it. No, I don't know why it's still a problem. It's ridiculous. That can't be happening. So, uh, that's, that's the long snapper report. Stay yeah. tuned for more. Yeah, um, that's, that's tough. Cause yeah. it like actually like it skipped like a stone. Yeah. It wasn't it's, even it's, like it was the like, same yeah. that happened in the Baltimore game. Yeah. That's tough. That's, that's a, uh, that's, that's going to make you, because you lose, you lose games doing that stuff. And thank God Tress is amazing at what he does. He's yes. able to scoop that up and get it down, like with the palm of his hand. Great job, but holy cow. Yeah, not not ideal. Uh, but yes, since that has become the thing that people come tweeting me about, uh, yes, I did see it. No, not good. All right, uh, what are the things that you walk away from going, I can't wait to watch the tape and learn more about X? I got one or two. You got one or two, I'm sure. And then we'll get on out of here. Um, yeah, so for sure the offense, just looking at like where, where the, where the leaks were, you know what I mean? And what I mean by that is I thought they did some stuff really efficiently, but I also thought there were times where, like I said, like Sam misses identifies something or they match a concept really well. Is that play call? Is that, you know, how you're coaching that? Like, I want to kind of just delve into that in a little bit more detail. And I think the other thing I'd like to look at is the back end of this group. Like how did Forbes play? I know he had that PBU at the end of the game to kind of seal it. Love that. How, how did he play? Um, how did Fuller play? How did, uh, you know, that whole back end play? Cause I think they flashed at times and Cam made some excellent tackles, but you know, how, how are they communicating all that kind of, that, so that to me, it's always, you know, the front when you're watching it, like just jumps out cause they're always making these plays. 
but the back end, like a lot of that stuff is Josh Dobbs. Like there's times where he's tucking it because the coverage is correct there. It's tight, you know, or um, who had the PBU on Zach Ertz. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys that yeah. did a really good job. And I just want to kind of get into some more detail on that. But yeah, offensive kind of detail, like, and then back end, like what's going on exactly there. Yeah, no, I, I think the sacks specifically, like where what happened there is that that guy's open that Sam's not seeing. Oh, yeah. Is that right, right. offensive line breakdowns? Is that bad uh, protection calls? I think, I know, Ron was very, very careful post-game. I mean, you have to be super careful. It's not rocket science of an answer, but he's like, I'm not commenting on any of that till we watch the tape. Yeah. I am curious to watch the tape and see what we see. I'd also like to know how Terry McLaurin played. Um, he had a couple okay. of big catches. Um, but he, like, when I look at the distribution of targets, I love Samuel uh, being kind of on schedule, five targets. We know Jahan's going to be a feature. He has seven. Logan Thomas has eight targets. We know he's going to be a feature. Terry only has four. Um, yeah. I do feel like there may not have been quite as much urgency today. Uh, it is week one. You know, EB knows the opponent. They've certainly got stuff for Terry that they're going to use, and I'm sure on some games will lean heavier on him. But I'm curious kind of what kind of game he had because I yeah. certainly hope throughout the year that he is much higher on the target list and that we don't go through another year of going, where is Terry? He's so good. How is he still a thousand yard receiver? Because it feels like he never gets the ball as much as he should. Right. And I and I, I think we both acknowledge that the tight end is going to get a lot of targets in this offense, especially with a young quarterback and especially with how big and athletic they all are, because it's easy to see him. You can just see him. You can yeah. see him from the press box, you know. So um, it's uh, I think that's part of why that is. Um, and I do think it's just easier in certain offenses to get guys the balls. And I think this is one of them. I think this is an, an offense where you're coming from Kansas City, where you're getting the tight end 15 targets a game, you know, and it's just like yeah. it just seems like a big part of that. Like even the uh, the catch that Logan Thomas had the two minute drive, like that's a Travis Kelsey special motion to a bunch run kind of that crossing corner and, you know, like make that play. So. Um, I kind of wonder if how many plays Terry actually played, like how many he was on the field for. I think that'll be interesting given like his foot and like how they view that. But, um, yeah, it, it is, Terry is kind of a funny guy in that regard. Like he, uh, he doesn't, he never gets as many targets as you think. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's a good or bad thing. Also, I think it's a feature of the, the offense, which I also said in the post game show. I think it's a feature of this offense, this West coast offense is that sometimes stuff's taken away. The ball's got to yep. go someplace else, and that's how it works. So, yeah, and that's the know. benefit of having as much talent as they do. Um, right. But I would definitely love to see, like, they found a way to get Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey the ball in Kansas City when everyone knew they wanted the ball. Um, and I'm sure that there are ways with you know alignments and where you line Terry up and stuff that they will do that. Well, Terry, um, certain times to that point had a great had like a really simple like it was really easy. So like they're in a three by one, uh, tight mm -hmm. end to the right, uh, tight end's the one. They motion Terry across to right outside Logan Thomas. And then Logan runs like a spray release dig. So yep. the outside releases, picks Terry's guy. He runs like a switch part, release like a, for Terry. Like a clear, yeah. like I guess it's a clear for the dig. And he's like, he's wide open. And that's an easy touch for him, you know, easy right. game plan touch. So I think there are definitely more of those to be had. Also, I do think that if the offense is on a little bit better rhythm, you know what I mean? It's probably those touches probably come more effectively. And so what I mean by that is like, you're always kind of going first, second, and then we're in a third down situation. First, second, third down situation. And as you know, those calls aren't all the same. They're not all created equally. So I think that's something as the offense finds its rhythm, I think you'll see Terry's touch distribution kind of be where it's supposed to be a little bit more effectively. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried after one week, but kind of putting a pin in it. And I'm curious how he played uh, and where Sam was looking and, you know, 
all that kind of stuff, because it is something that's been a storyline here for as long as Terry has been here. All right. Uh, for more from us, make sure you're subscribed to the Take Command podcast wherever you listen to your pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the free Odyssey app, of course. And then we are on 106.7 The Fans YouTube page for full episodes. I also post clips on my page at Craig Hoffman for the YouTube audience. Uh, other than that, uh, of course, make sure you're following us on social at the team 980 at 1067 the fan. Logan's on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson82. I'm on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. Uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow on the radio, four to seven on the team 980 for the Hoffman show. And we'll be back with our full tape review breakdown of this game coming up later this week. I think that pod will be out on Tuesday or Wednesday. I gotta okay. figure out when we're gonna do that. Uh, when it's out and when we record, I get the dates mixed up. Also, I kind of have a little bit of COVID braid, and now I've been talking for 30 minutes. So uh, we'll see you for the next pod. Uh, but if you subscribe, you get it You get it automatically. So that's, that's why you should do that. For Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for watching here on the live stream and listening to the pods. We'll see you all in a couple of days.